Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Our living hope. Our scripture this morning comes from the Gospel of John, chapter 21, verses 1 through 19. I'll be reading from the New Revised Standard Version, John 21, 1 through 19. After these things, Jesus showed himself again to the disciples by the Sea of Tiberias, and he showed himself in this way. Gathered together were Simon Peter, Thomas called the twin, Nathaniel of Cana and Galilee, the sons of Zebedee, and two others of his disciples. Simon Peter said to them, I am going fishing. They said to him, we will go with you. They went out and got into the boat, but that night they caught nothing. Just after daybreak, Jesus stood on the beach, but the disciples did not know that it was Jesus. Jesus said to them, children, have you no fish? They answered him, no. He said to them, cast the net to the right side of the boat and you will find some. So they cast it, and now they were not able to haul it in because there were so many fish. The disciple whom Jesus loved said to Peter, It is the Lord. When Simon Peter heard that it was the Lord, he put on some clothes, for he was naked, and jumped into the sea. But the other disciples came in the boat, dragging the net full of fish, for they were not far from land, only about a hundred yards off. When they had gone ashore, they saw a charcoal fire there with fish on it and bread. Jesus said to them, bring some of the fish that you have just caught. So Simon Peter went aboard and hauled the net ashore full of large fish, 153 of them. And though there were so many, the net was not torn. Jesus said to them, Come and have breakfast. Now none of the disciples dared to ask him, Who are you? Because they knew it was the Lord. Jesus came and took the bread and gave it to them and did the same with the fish. This was now the third time that Jesus appeared to the disciples after he was raised from the dead. When they had finished breakfast, Jesus said to Simon Peter, Simon, son of John, do you love me more than these? He said to him, Yes, Lord, you know that I love you. Jesus said to him, Feed my lambs. A second time he said to him, Simon, son of John, do you love me? He said to him, Yes, Lord, you know that I love you. Jesus said to him, Tend my sheep. He said to him the third time, Simon, son of John, do you love me? Peter felt hurt because he said to him the third time, do you love me? And he said to him, Lord, you know everything. You know that I love you. Jesus said to him, feed my sheep. Very truly, I tell you, when you were younger, you used to fasten your own belt and to go wherever you wished. But when you grow old, you will stretch out your hands and someone else will fasten a belt around you and take you where you do not wish to go. He said this to indicate the kind of death by which he would glorify God. After this, he said to him, follow 
me. Word of God for us this morning. Thanks be to God. Let us pray. Lord, we thank you for this day. We thank you, O Lord, for being able to worship you and glorify you in your house. We thank you for being able to come to your table and experience your grace and to be reminded, Lord, of everything that you have done for us. We ask you now, O Lord, that you will speak to us according to your word, that you will open our understanding and our mind to receive it, that you will open our hearts to treasure it, that you will help us to apply it, O Lord, every single day. Give me your thoughts to be my own, Lord. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. Our scripture today takes us to the third or fourth time that Jesus appeared, depending on, on which accounts you count. If you count the women at the tomb, then it's four. If you count only the, technically the disciples, it's three. You would think that after these many appearances of Jesus before the disciples, everybody would have been on board with the resurrection. You know, if dead Jesus appears to me three times, shows me nail marks, shows me his side, shows me that he is alive, you would think that after three times of that happening, I would be believing it, right? That I would be on board with the resurrection, that I would be celebrating it, that I would be telling all my friends about it, that I would be making sure that everybody knew that Jesus was no longer dead, that he had defeated the grave, that there was victory in him, and that he was alive. But we know that that was not the case among the disciples on this day. You got to remember, it's been at least two weeks since the resurrection. The, he appeared to the disciples on the day of the resurrection, then a week later. So this is after that, at least been at least a week plus when Jesus appears to them in this scripture. We hear that Peter tells the other disciples, I'm going fishing. He's my kind of people. I would have been like the other disciples. I'm going with. I'm going with you. You see, fishing was what they were used to doing. These disciples that were with Peter were fishermen before Jesus called them to be disciples. This was what they had done all their lives. This was something that was comfortable, familiar, and therefore would have brought comfort to them in this time because it was what they were used to. So when Peter said, let's go fishing, they said, we're going with, and they all went along, and seven of them, it sounds like, went fishing, got in a boat, went out to the sea, and fished all night long. Now, if you're not a fisherman, you don't understand this, but when you go fishing, when do you quit? Not until you've caught something. Or you're utterly exhausted and can't move anymore. Whichever comes first. You don't want to leave until you catch something. And you have to remember that these fishermen are not fishing with a little pole and a little line and a little bait. They're casting nets out into the sea and having to pull them back. And cast out to the sea and pull them back. And move the boat a little bit because we just scared all the fish on that side. So let's move it over here and cast the net again. And do it over and over 
and over again all night long. How tired do you think they were by morning? Man, they were exhausted, I'm sure. They had been doing this, and the thing is that they had caught absolutely nothing. You know how hard it is not to catch anything with nets? It's almost impossible. When you're fishing with nets, you at least catch something. You catch at least a little one that you can take a picture of up close so that it looks bigger to show your friends. With a net, you usually catch something, but they had caught an absolute goose egg, zero, nothing, all night long. And if there's anything that fishermen hate more than catching nothing, is somebody asking them if they caught something when they caught nothing. And there's always, it, I take a bucket with me when I go fishing so that I can make sure that I am ready because I am expecting to catch the fish. But that walk of shame when you're packing up and taking your bucket and you meet somebody on the path and they go, did you catch anything? And you have to look at your empty bucket and go, not a thing. It's a terrible feeling. You feel completely defeated, like a failure. You feel like you have just wasted your whole night. And you feel terrible when you have to admit that you have not caught a single fish. While Jesus was on the shore as the disciples are wrapping up, and he asked them, hey, did you all catch anything? And I'm sure most of them grumbled. Oh, we got another one of those. You know, there's, there's something worse than being asked if you didn't catch anything. It's being asked if you didn't catch anything by somebody who has no fishing gear and doesn't look like they know how to fish. Jesus is on the shore. He doesn't look like a fisherman. He has no net. And he's asking if we caught something. And they were annoyed, I'm sure, at the question, but they said, no, we, we didn't catch anything. And you know what people that ask you if you caught something and you tell them you didn't catch anything do? They give you what we call unsolicited advice on how to catch fish. Every time. Oh, you just got to go over there, and there's a, there's a spot over there. You just got to jiggle the, the bait a little bit, and three feet down. And they give you all this unsolicited advice, and you're like, I'm packing to go home. Why are you telling me what, that right now? And you, you, a lot of times, you don't want to hear it at that point. And Jesus does exactly the same thing. You didn't catch anything. Take your nets, cast them on the right side of the boat, and you'll find some fish. Just throw the net over on the right side. You're going to find some fish. Now, you got to remember, this is back in ancient times. There is no fish finder on the boat where they can look under the boat and see where the fish are. There's no technology to tell them, hey, you know, this is where the fish are located. Throw your net here. And Jesus is all the way on the shore telling them where they need to throw their nets. Now, most of us would have told Jesus off. Oh, you don't know what you're talking about. Just leave us alone. We're tired. We've been fishing all night. But there's something you need to know about fishermen. If there's a chance that we're going to catch a fish, 
we're going to try anyway. When I go fishing with my wife, she hates it because I always say, just one more cast, honey. Just 15 minutes more because they're about to bite. Any moment now, I'm going to catch the big one. And, and, and that goes on for a couple hours, and she says, you know, your 15 minutes have been up. But we keep trying. Why? Because as fishermen, we have this desire to catch something. And so we're willing to take the risk. The disciples said, you know, forget it. Throw the nets over the right side like the man said. Let's do it. And they threw those nets over. And the scripture says that the net was full of large. They they weren't minnows. They didn't catch little fish. Large fish. We find out later that there was 153. Somebody had the job of counting them fish. Because we fishermen, we measure and we count. We want to know because we want to be able to tell the story later. And it's amazing how the fish tend to grow over time. You know, it used to be six inches, now it's 12. But they counted large fish, 153 of them in that net. And the net wasn't breaking. They were catching all these fish, and they all of a sudden got a case of deja vu. Have you ever had deja vu? Where you, you feel like you've done something before, and it seems utterly familiar, and you're like, I've been here before. I've done this before. And at that moment... The disciple whom Jesus loved turned to Peter and said, Yo, Peter, you remember the last time this happened to us? You remember who was talking to us then? It's the Lord. It's Jesus. Can't you see it? It's Jesus on the shore. The last time we caught this many fish, the nets almost broke. You remember we had to get two boats to get all the fish in? It was Jesus. That's Jesus on the shore. You know, Peter got some clothes on because he was fishing naked. I don't know why. Jumps into the sea and goes and swims to shore. And luckily, they were only about 100 yards off, we're told. He swims to the shore because when you find out where Jesus is, you don't waste any time to be where Jesus is. When you find out where the Lord is, there is no better place than by his side. And Peter at that moment, he didn't care about the fish. He didn't care about the boat. He didn't care about anything else. He went, made a beeline directly for Jesus. And I'm sure the other disciples were going, geez, thanks, Peter, you didn't help with the net. (laughs) Because here they are having to haul this net full of fish, trying to bring it to shore in the boats. Scripture says that when when they got there to the shore with the big cache of fish, there was already a charcoal fire going. Jesus was already making fish, and he had already made bread. Who knew? Bread of like making bread, kind of cool. He's there. He's got all of this going, and he basically invites them to come in for breakfast. Now, the scripture says that nobody dared to ask him who he was. Can you imagine the awkward silence? 
You ask him, no, I know it's Jesus. I'm not asking him, you ask him. Nobody wanted to ask him because they all knew that it was Jesus, but there was this, this awkwardness about the moment because the, nobody wanted to ask him, but they still wanted to kind of confirm, and, and there's this going back and forth. And in the middle of that, Jesus said, just come have breakfast. Bring some of those fish that you caught. This is when somebody counted. But Jesus didn't even need their fish. Do you realize that? He already had fish on the fire cooking for them. You know, Jesus anticipates our needs before we even know we're going to need them. He knows what you need tomorrow before tomorrow even arrives. And he makes provision for your need before you even know you have a need. And isn't that amazing? That we have a God who loves us so much that even before we know we're going to need something, he's making preparations for us. Well, he had them all sit down to have breakfast, and he took the bread and he broke it, and he started distributing the fish. And once again, they had a feeling of deja vu. Haven't we been here before? Haven't we experienced this before? When was the last time that we did this? The last supper? When Jesus broke the bread and gave us the, the cup and told us that he was going to give his life for us on the cross, that he would be broken for us. All of this is purposeful. Jesus was doing all of these things on purpose. He was trying to remind them of all of the things that he had done. The first event of the catching of the fish was when he called them for the first time to be his disciples. And now it was a reminder of the last time they met with him for the supper as he told them what he was going to do for them on the cross. Jesus was trying to remind them of all these things because it was really no time to go fishing. There was too many other things that needed to be done. He was back alive, and this was not a time to go fishing for fish. This was a time to go fishing for people. You see, Jesus had called them to this ministry. He had told them, I am going to make you fishers of men. And they had gone back to being fishers of fish. But how many times do we get distracted from what Jesus is calling us to do? You know, it takes one Facebook ad and you're down the rabbit hole checking all the posts of all your friends for three hours. It takes one preview of a series on Netflix and you're two seasons in and you wonder where the night went and it's three in the morning and you got work in a few hours or school. It takes just a moment. I call it the squirrel effect. We are all prone to get distracted by things that are on the periphery that really don't matter in the end to what is essential in the faith in Jesus Christ. And at this point, the disciples had gone down that rabbit hole. Jesus was inviting them to cast the net on the other side because he was saying, you need to do things differently than you've been doing. You did it your way all night. Did it work? 
It didn't work. Let's try it my way and see what happens. You know, Jesus is always inviting us to do it his way and to see what happens. But we have to be willing to be obedient like I was telling the children. You know, love is obedience. Jesus loved God the Father and because he loved him, he was obedient unto death on a cross. And he calls us to obedience and to do it his way. The question is, will we obey his call to change? Will we stop casting on the left side to cast on the right side? Will we do it even though we're tired, even though it might be inconvenient, even though it doesn't seem like the right timing for us, even though we think we know better, because that's usually a problem for us too, our pride, right? We think we know better than that guy on the shore who has no fishing net. We think we know better than the one who's speaking to us. When they finished breakfast, Jesus talked to Simon Peter directly. He said, Simon, son of John, do you love me more than these? And he responded, yes, Lord, you know that I, that I love you. You know that I love you. Right answer, right? You know that I love you. And Jesus said to him, feed my lambs. But a second time, he asked the same question. Simon, son of John, do you love me? And he said again, yes, Lord, you know that I love you. And Jesus said to him, tend my sheep. Two times. But Jesus went for the triple. He went for the third time. And he asked him again, Simon, son of John, do you love me? And the scripture says that when, when Jesus asked the third time, he was hurt. He was hurt because Jesus had asked him a third time. You know, when you ask, get asked something three times, a lot of times the feeling that you get is that they didn't believe me the first two. Did you do that? No, I didn't do it. Did you do that? No, I didn't do it. Did you do that? Yes, I did that. You know, we, we get asked multiple times and, and it conveys to us a feeling of maybe they didn't believe us. And at that point, Peter was experiencing that. He was feeling that. And you know, in the back of his mind, he must have been wondering, is Jesus remembering that when he was arrested and I went to check on him and they asked me if I knew him, I said I didn't three times. I denied him three times. Is he remembering that and holding that against me? What Peter didn't realize was that Jesus was trying to redeem him from that very circumstance. For every denial that Peter had made of Jesus, Jesus was giving him an opportunity to affirm him and affirm his faith. They were canceling each other out. One by one, by one. And Peter just said to Jesus, you know everything. You know everything. I love this affirmation. You know, you are the Lord. You are the one. You 
know how much? Everything. You know that I love you. And Jesus said to him, feed my sheep. In every circumstance, when Peter affirmed his love of Jesus, Jesus affirmed his call on Peter to serve those Jesus loved. Every single time. This scripture is about recommissioning, repurposing Peter back into the task that Jesus had first called them to. You remember what Jesus told Peter? You will be the rock on which I will build my church. You can't be the rock when you are still in doubt. You can't be the rock when you deny and don't take that back. You can't be the rock when you're not willing to be obedient and follow. You can't be the rock if you don't let Jesus wash away your sins. You can't be the rock unless you're humble enough to admit that you need everything that Jesus did on the cross for you. At this moment, Peter was being asked to recommit to the mission that Jesus had first called him to. And so this passage is extremely important because what follows is a little disturbing. Jesus tells Peter, and you were younger, you used to go wherever you wanted and do whatever you wanted and fasten your own belt. But when you grow old, others will fasten a belt around you and take you where you do not want to go. And the scripture tells us that this was a foreshadowing of the way he would give his life for the gospel of Jesus Christ. And then the question or the proposition gets placed to him. Follow me. If you know that it will cost you your life to follow Jesus, will you still follow him? Because that is the question that Peter has to wrestle with. You know this is going to end badly for you in this life. You're going to suffer. You're going to pay a price for following me. But will you still follow me? And you see, this call from Jesus to follow him is not just to Peter, it's to you and it's to me even today. He's saying it might cost you friends, it might cost you popularity, it might cost you jobs, it might cost you opportunities that you think you have. If you follow me, there will be price to pay. There will be a price. Will you still follow me? Will you still obey my call to be my disciple and my ambassador in the world? Will you continue to feed and tend my sheep? Will you watch over my lambs until I return to redeem the whole lot of you? Will you do it? In what ways have we denied Jesus and said, I'm too busy or I'm too tired or I'm too tied up with other things to do what you're asking. 
How many times have we turned away from what Jesus wants us to do, to do our own thing, thinking we know best? If we have done that today, Jesus is inviting us to recommission ourselves. In ministry, we have, we have a phrase that we like to use, and I want you to hear it. God doesn't call the equipped. He equips the called. And what that means is that God calls you, and then he gives you what you need to be able to fulfill the mission that he's called you to. Do you realize how crazy it is that God's calling fishermen to tend sheep? They probably went, we know fish. What is this sheep and lamb you're talking about? But you see, Jesus was saying, if you obey me, if you follow my command, if you decide to become my disciples, if you come after me, I will equip you for everything that I have called you to do. And you will see greater things than what you've already seen. You think this cache of fish is something? This is nothing. You're going to do greater things than I myself have done through the power of the Holy Spirit. But it requires you to obey and follow me. Those words should still echo for us today. Follow me, even if it's not easy, even if you don't know the way or the destination. Follow me because I am the way, the truth, and the life. And no one comes to the Father except through me. Today, I just pray that you will follow him. That when it's time for you to recommit, you're willing to be right there to say, Jesus, I love you. But more than loving you, I will tend your sheep. I will feed your lambs. I will be a disciple that follows in your footsteps. For Jesus always cared for others. He always wanted to save the lost and the least. The ones that everybody else rejected. Jesus wanted to reach with his love. I pray that when you hear Jesus say, follow me, you say, yes, Lord, let's go. Let's do it now. Let us pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you. We thank you for your call. We thank you, O Lord, because you give us an opportunity to respond to your question of whether we love you. You give us that question, Lord, to give us a chance to affirm our call, to affirm our place in your kingdom, to affirm our faith and our trust in you. You give us that question, Lord, so that we can cancel out all of the times that we have denied you, that we have walked our own ways, Lord. You give us that chance so that we can be redeemed and so that we can be used by you with mighty power. We ask, O oh Lord, on this day that you will give us the grace and the power to respond to those questions honestly and truthfully by saying, yes, Lord, I love you. I will follow you. I will do as you direct me. Help us, Lord, to continue to care for the sheep, to love one another, to share your grace with those that haven't received it, to make sure everyone knows that you are the giver of life, and that in you, there is the promise of eternity. 
We pray this in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. The altar is always open if you would like to come forward and pray. If you would like to pray by yourself, there is a reserve section here between the greens. If you want somebody from our prayer team to pray with you, you can come to the left side. We're going to have a time of worship and a time of prayer at the altar for anybody that wants it.